We are back in the GOAT district today, and I have one of my favorite people in the fantasy fantasy industry and a good friend of the GOAT district and also a good friend of myself in Billy Muzio. How you doing today, Billy? Good, Theo. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's our pleasure. I'm, I'm happy to talk some shop. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. So we we are we are just rocking through the the fantasy season. It's week seven. It seems like it's completely flying by. Uh, Billy is Billy is a, a very interesting person in this space because you're one of the sharper, high stakes players around. You know, shout out. We're not going to talk about amount of skin in the game. You know, in case the IRS is listening, <laughs> but you've got a you've got a good a very good amount of skin in the game. And you play big contests, and you do very, very well in them, and you're able to maintain a, a number of fantasy teams at the same time, which is also a skill. Uh, anybody who uh, wants to go high volume, one of the hardest things about it is is doing waivers for you know twenty, twenty five to a hundred for some people teams. Uh, so you get a lot of respect for that, but you also are putting out tremendous fantasy football content. Last season, you were the number one ranker in the entire country uh, per Fantasy Pros. Still crazy to hear that. <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable, and uh, it's 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 like it's like winning an overall uh, in terms of clout. You know, you that'll that'll be with you, you know, attached to you for the next you know twenty years in this space. Now, people are going to say, you know, he was number one in the ranking at, at some point, and hopefully, you get it two years in a row this year. I know you're doing quite well. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and some of the great work you're doing? Yeah, you can find me at uh, on Twitter first and foremost at ffmusio right down right down here on this side right down there, um, and then I'm an analyst over at Full Time Fantasy uh, and I work with them on their contest side as well as a contractor for the FFWC. Um, but uh, I do the rankings for Full Time Fantasy. Jody Smith and I both do. Who Jody's also an excellent ranker. who have been I think top ten in consistency rankings for the last five years. Um, so him and I work together on those, uh, weekly and, um, and kind of, you know, deliberate together and, and go over those rankings. Uh, and then, um, um, I think that's, that's everything. That's pretty much where I'm at. So I don't do a lot of writing. Uh, I write occasionally, uh, it's just between rankings and teams and podcasts. It's just, uh, not a lot of time for me to, to do writing. And I don't really enjoy it, to be honest with you. So, um, for me, it's more about, 
walking someone through the process or talking about the process, you know, verbally explaining and verbally talking about it and just podcasting is much more up my, my alley. Um, and then being able to just put it on paper and, and, and get those ranks out to the public. So, um, discord, you can also follow us on discord at the full-time fantasy discord. And, um, and we answer questions there daily on start sits and, and other lineup questions as well. You've also put out some tremendous uh, pods with Matt Kelly with the Dominator. Um, mm -hmm. When when can pe when can people find those, or are we still going to see those over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, we're, we've been we've going uh, to like every other week uh, yep. on on Wednesdays typically. So this week we're off. Next week we should be back on. Uh, it's just kind of as schedules kind of mesh together well uh, he's busy i'm busy and then um and then we're just kind of reviewing high stakes stuff as well um but it's that's more just for us to get together say hello we have and, and just catch up and then we just talk football yeah it's definitely a, a very fun fun listen every time you guys get a, get a chance to link up and uh yeah it's it's definitely a fun one and uh you know shout out to uh jody smith he's super super sharp guy you guys have been really doing nice nice content together um, and it's definitely a help for for anybody who plays, whether it's high stakes down to home leagues. Uh, you were extremely bullish on Stefan Diggs in, mm -hmm. in the offseason, and it's it's looking very, very smart. You had him ahead of Jamar Chase. You had him ahead of Cooper Cup, and he's having an absolute smash season. Maybe kind of share your thoughts about the Buffalo Bills and and Stefan Diggs while they're you know away from us on a bye. Yeah, it's just funny. You look at last year and um, people looked at Stephon Diggs and, and yes, he had a down year in comparison to um, where he finished uh, the prior year in 2020, where he had, you know, over 200 and um, what was it? Total points. Let me pull it up. PPR points. He had 328 fantasy points, you know, but he still had 285 fantasy points in 2021. Um, and yes, it's a down year and he still had 10 touchdowns. He still had 1200 yards. You know, if that's a down year for somebody, uh, the way I looked at it was I want him on a year that he's going to hit again. And you looked at this offense, the Buffalo Bills offense and what they were able to do through playoffs and down the stretch. And uh, they just, looked the, like the most dynamic offense in football. And this was, of course, prior to the beginning of this year. Um, we knew they were the most dynamic offense in football. We knew they were going to continue that over into 2022. And I wanted to have a piece of that. Uh, Josh Allen just has that chip on his shoulder. He wants to win a Super Bowl. He wants to, you know, win a championship. So I wanted to get that carried over. I felt like they're kind of at that, that peak where Diggs is at his not necessarily his tail end of his career, but he's nearing that age apex at wide receiver to where I knew that they were going to be taking advantage of it. Um, and you look, you, just looking at his usage, you're talking about 160 targets two years in a row, 166, 165. Um, that type of usage is easy to predict in terms of fantasy points. And uh, when you when you look at the amount of touchdowns this offense was going to score, and you looked at other players like Dawson Knox, who had one of the most uh, I think, it, don't quote me, but I think it was like a 16% touchdown rate in 2021, which is unsustainable. And you look and say, well, where can those touchdowns go? Well, Stefan Diggs, you know, is one of those options. Gabe Davis is one of those options. You know, that's so why it's higher on both of those players heading into 2022, is that we expected that that utilization of Nos Dawson Knox to kind of take a hit and for those touchdowns to be a little bit more evenly dispersed. Uh, we knew they don't have an outstanding run game, so they're going to continue to throw the ball. Uh, and, you know, those are the kind of the primary reasons why I was in on Diggs, not to mention just his individual metrics and, um, you know, his route running wins and skills and, and everything that entails in the metric side as well. Yeah, I think you did a fantastic job um, of identifying an elite talent 
who had positive regression kind of written, written all over him uh, and seeing through kind of somewhat of a disappointing, I wouldn't even call it a disappointing year last year. He didn't, he was still a wide receiver one. Yeah. And I think some people just felt a little bit burned. They maybe wanted to go in a different direction. And I can't imagine some of the people that went running back over digs at this point. Um, it's, it's sort of a tough one unless you went, unless you maybe reached and, and grabbed Saquon Barkley, there was few running back choices that would have been better there. Um, but it was a tremendous read by you. You have the receipts to show for it and you have a ton of digs exposure. You actually have one digs share on an FFWC main event team that we share blue whale hunting. We are at a crossroads. <laughs> we are, we are at a crossroads. We are three and three record wise. Yep. We are, we are smack dab in the not out of it, but need to do some work, uh, level of this league. And we do not have digs this week. One player who we really, really would like to get back is Dak Prescott. What is your opinion of Dak Prescott's uh, fantasy impact when he returns to the Cowboys? And sort of his, I mean, we all know how important he is to them uh, just as to be their starting quarterback, Beside, uh, despite the success of Cooper Rush wins loss. How do you think that Dak Prescott affects not only our team, but also the talent around him in Dallas. Man, it's a tough question. You look at we, we only time we get to see him was week one against Tampa, and he looked like shit. Quite frankly, it looked awful. It looked he looked awful. horrible. And so, <laughs> be, be honest, like Cooper Rush looked better the last few weeks than Dak did. But we know what Dak is as a talent, and we know what he's capable of doing. Um, now that they have the majority of the offense on the field, I mean, Schultz just re-aggravated his knee, but now they have Gallup back on the field. They have, um, they still have CD there. And, and, and then we have Noah Brown, who's kind of emerged as a, as a trustworthy target. Pollard's taken a step forward and also been more involved in the passing game. I think that they definitely have the pieces for him to succeed. And he's shown that he has the ability to succeed. I just want to see them utilize it in a more creative way. I mean, it seems like whenever they have him on the field, they're just very, um, vanilla and they're just telegraphing plays. I'd like to see them get more creative in the play calling, quite frankly, um, and utilize Tony Pollard more out of the slot and, and kind of create some mismatches. So if they're able to do that, I think that we're going to see some pretty big games here from, from Dak. Um, Cause they also have one of the easiest remaining strength of schedules in the NFL, which is going to play to um, his strengths as well in this offense. So I have a lot of hopes for Dak. I really do. I think the offense is there. I mean, they definitely have to play Philly, you know, one more time, which is a, a, a tough matchup and they got to play, you know, the giants who have also been very tough this year as well. So um, there's a lot to like, but there's also some concerns in regards to the Cowboys and, and Dak Prescott. Yeah. I think that the Cowboys are, and I think Dak to an extent are sort of rushing back, back in, you know, this is an injury where he could have been out slightly longer. Mm -hmm. So I think they're really pushing their chips in on this season. I think you made a great point on Noah Brown and also Michael Gallup. Like, you know, Dalton Schultz, I, I'm hopeful that he's he's back uh, soon as well. And I know Dak likes throwing to the tight ends. But I think having those two wide receivers uh, opposite of CeeDee Lamb that, you know, you can rely on to go with the increased usage for Pollard can potentially, you know, open up this this Cowboys offense. I mean, week one was an absolute buzzsaw uh, against Tampa Bay. And, yeah, that was a tough one. But, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm hopeful, and I'm hopeful he can come back and, and return, I'd say, back-end QB1 level uh, uh, production. 
the QB spot's been it's been such a mess with the guys drafted as back end QB ones and high end QB twos this year. You know, hopefully Dak can kind of right the ship a little bit uh, for that for that whole group of quarterbacks. Um, the good news too is though, I mean, even though Schultz is going to be out, Jake Ferguson is the rookie from Wisconsin, uh, the tight end. Um, you know, had a touchdown last week, went four for six. Uh, 40 yards. Uh, he looked pretty good. I think that he's going to be able to kind of slide in that tight end position uh, pretty seamlessly. And if he continues at that pace, they may not need Schultz moving forward. And let's be honest here. Schultz kind of emerged, um, you know, was it last year, the year before, kind of out of the blue. We thought it was going to be Jarwin. Jarwin. Uh, and so um, let's be honest here. They don't have a lot of draft capital involved with Schultz. So Ferguson take over they could they could you know extend there and so it's very possible that Ferguson could slide in and so I'm not saying that you know he's going to completely supplant him but I'm just saying they have a good feeling for the for for the intermediate time Ferguson looked like such a baller on that touchdown too he had Mm -hmm. like you know he had kind of a reputation of a you know a blocking tight end and he looked really really good and, and athletic on that on that so yeah I think that's a good call I think in dynasty Ferguson's definitely one you want to stash um, because Schultz is certainly not a a pedigree guy, and he kind of fell into volume last year. It's a classic volume trap. I know we didn't draft much Schultz this year, um, so it's not really hurting us. But I think a lot of people kind of fell for it uh, when there was more talented guys kind of behind him, like Dallas Goddard. Um, question from 1912, and shout out to 1912, Harry Snowman, Jose Pena, some uh, JD in the mm-hmm. chat right now. Um, 1912 wants to know, do, do you see Tony Pollard taking on more as the season goes on? It's been pretty consistent this year. It's more of that 60-40 and give or take 1% or 2%, but it's always around 41%, 43%. Tony Pollard, 60 to 63%. Zeke Elliott. Um, we've seen how explosive Tony Pollard has been. I mean, he's you know top 14 in breakaway rate top 23 in juke rate. He's been outstanding in the passing game and just explosive way. looks way more explosive than Zeke does, but let's be honest here. They're paying Zeke in, you know, unfathomable amount of money this year. They're not just going to stray away from him as much as the fantasy community would like to see Tony Pollard continue to see more of a 50, 50 snap share between Zeke, or even probably honestly a 60, 40 in Pollard's favor, just because of the, you know, electric dynamic ability of Tony Pollard, but it's not going to happen. Um, they just have too much money wrapped up in Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, he's going to consistently just carry the ball and plot his way now at this point in his career and fall forward and get three to four yards, um, which is honestly what the Cowboys need in order to manage a game. Um, I, I love Tony Pollard. I think he's the better back at this point in their two careers, um, and he's much more explosive, but the Cowboys are not going to just stray away from 20 20- plus million dollars and and you know hand tony pollard the rock 60 percent of the time it's just i just don't think it's it's not it's not a real option quite frankly in 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 my opinion from a financial standpoint for the cowboys yeah rational rational coaching does not uh, is not weighed as heavily in every nfl franchise yeah um and dallas is certainly one where there's uh a few cooks in the kitchen one place where we do think rational coaching usually uh usually prevails is new england We've seen the rise of Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, we've asked a few guests this week. I'm, I'm curious your reaction to Ramondre. He's up to run, running back nine overall. He played 85% of the snaps this past weekend. Uh, how bullish should we be on him? And what are your expe- expectations for him when Damian Harris returns? 
So I had Ramondre last week as my running back two in my rankings. I initially had him as number one and moved him down one spot, and I said that might be a little too bullish. Um, he ended up finishing as running back number one last week in fantasy points. Um, so I'm a little tilted. I didn't leave him there. It was one of those, you know, last minute changes never work out. And so, how could you, Billy? You got him. <laughs> you only had him two. <laughs> so I had him ahead of Christian McCaffrey. I had him ahead of Nick Chubb and, and everybody else. Uh, the only person I had him behind was Saquon Barkley, who, by the way, would have finished number one had he not slid on the two-yard line, which was the smart play for football. From fantasy, it sucked. But from a football perspective, he did what he was supposed to do and, and get down and, and they could drain the clock. But had he scored that, he would have been the number one running back last week. So um, that being said, I have high hopes for Mondre Stevenson. He has the ability to, to uh, catch the ball. He's also a big bruising back. He's able to um, also get it in open space and pick up speed. I like him a lot more this year than I did last year. Um, you know, rookie running backs and Bill Belichick just never mesh well. And and you look at um, it takes him usually a few years to kind of get into the, the swing of things. And um, Damian Harris, I predicted the beginning of this year that he won't be on this roster by the end of the season. Um, it, you just look at what Bill Belichick does and always gets something out of nothing. And that's one of those things that he might be able to get a compensatory pick for him. Um, so it, I knew they also trusted Ramondre Stevenson and they went out and drafted Pierre strong and Dame, uh, and then Harris as well. Um, or Kevin, Kevin Harris. Right. And yep. so um, Harris and Harris kind of confusing. And so um, I, I have a lot, I have big hopes for Ramondre and think that as long as um as long as he's the lead back, he's going to be a consistent RB1. Um, and I, when I say RB1, I'm saying top five, top four. Um, so high-end RB1. And so, But once Damon's back, it's going, to be, um, it's going to be a little bit more of a split. He probably reverts back to that running back 12 through 18 range if he's lucky. Um, if it's 50-50 split again, we're talking more about that running back 17 through 21 range probably. Yeah, I'm, we're, we're big fans of his. Uh, we actually had a great question for Josh Larkey last night. Uh, if anybody didn't get a chance to listen to that pod, it was it was a lot of fun with Josh and and very informative. Uh, highly recommend you guys give it a listen. One question JD had was, rest of season, Miles Sanders or Ramondre Stevenson? Mm. And I know many... you have yourself some Sanders. There's too many... F- too many um, unknowns right now to put him rest of the season. If if we knew that Ramondre was going to be you know the main guy in New England, he's the easy answer. Um, if he's splitting work with, um, if he's splitting work in the backfield, that puts him more in that Miles Sanders range. So I'm going to go ahead and lean Stevenson rest of season. Um, although I like the offense better in Philly, of course, and anytime you, you get a, a better offense, and I talked about this in the offseason, was the reason why I owned a lot of Sanders was they were going to have a higher pace of play, more favorable game scripts. We were going to see, um, we were going to see Sanders in the red zone more. He was going to have positive touchdown regression, um, and we were you know weren't expecting zero. I think he's at four for the season um, right now, if I recall right. Um, and I think that number is going to be closer to 10 by the end of the season. Um, and we're just going to continue to see them hammer the ground game um, as they get more favorable game scripts and get ahead. So I'm going to lean Ramondre for the rest of the season um, just because of the odd chance that they hold out you know, the other running back and he's the main guy. And 
if he's splitting time, then he's probably right in that same level as as Sanders. Yeah, and that it was a tough one for me. They're they're very close uh, in terms of like you said. There's there's some factors that could make Ramondre like the easy one here. Um, Sanders is in a better offense, fantastic offensive line. It's definitely a, definitely a tough tough question. A good question in the chat. Do you see Chris Godwin outperforming Mike Williams for the rest of the season? What was it? Chris Godwin outperforming Mike Williams for the rest of the season. I oh, guess who man. would you rather rest of season? Who would you rather have? Probably Mike Williams, just because he's one, he's healthy. Godwin has already had just a slew of injuries coming off that ACL hamstring hip last week or whatever it was. And something it seems to be just a constant amount of ailments this season. And um, I don't own a lot of Godwin this year because of the injury. And I w- was looking at it as I'm going to make him beat me so far. It's panned out last week was, a, was, you know, probably the first week where he was able to beat me in a couple leagues. Um, I think we're going to continue to see him kind of banged up this year. I don't think we'll ever see Godwin to full form in 2022, um, 2023, different story, but who's the quarterback now as well as the next question. Uh, so I think 2022, I'm going to lean with Mike Williams. Um, once he's able to get Keenan Allen back on the field, I think it's going to help his fantasy because he's not going to be drawing the number one coverage. Um, I mean, he may at times, depending upon the matchup, but I think that they'll more than likely send the number one coverage to Keenan Allen, uh, and Mike Williams will get the number two coverage, which is going to give him a lot more one-on-ones, and he's going to be able to um, you know, have more big plays. So I think um, I'm going to slight lean to, um, slight lean to, to, to Big Mike, um, and if, I, think that, I, I don't think we've seen the last Godwin injury this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that you you could see situations where you'd be ranking Godwin higher for the week. Mm-hmm. But I, I certainly would agree with you that I'd rather have Mike Williams for the season. I have a also have a lot more Mike Williams than Chris Godwin. So I kinda I kinda hope that's the uh I hope that's the the outcome as well. Um one big injury that hit this week was Hollywood Brown. It was extremely disappointing for me. I have a I have a good amount of Hollywood Brown. He's a guy I talked up this offseason, and uh, it's definitely a disappointment for some of my redraft teams and also some of my dynasty teams. But the the show must go on, so to speak. What is your uh, initial reaction to how the Arizona Cardinals offense will look without Hollywood Brown? And maybe you could touch on DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Zach Ertz. Yeah, I think it's going to just kind of continue as is because Hopkins is back. He's just going to slide into that number one role. Um, Rondell is going to uh, maintain fantasy relevance and value now that Marquise is out. I expected to see him take a hit week seven once Hopkins was back. Um, and we drafted Rondell primarily for the first half of the season. You know, unfortunately had that hamstring injury and Greg Dortch got all those fantasy points, which is tilting to begin with. But, um, you know, that being said, with Brown out now the next six to seven weeks, roughly probably on a, on a, that's probably a, a aggressive timeline in my opinion. Um, then 
we're going to see a lot more Rondale again. So Rondale's probably going to be the number two in this offense. Uh, Hopkins, of course, the number one. They're going to keep utilizing Zach Ertz in the red zone and third down opportunities and 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 um, you know in key moments. But I think that you're going to see a pretty similar looking offense uh, in terms of distribution. I think uh, Hopkins is going to take on more of that 24 to 27 percent target share. Uh, Rondale will see kind of that 18 to 20 percent, and Ertz probably in that 16 to 18 percent uh, range, roughly. You know, give or take by matchups and games, and and um, I think that they'll just kind of keep going on as is and I don't think they're going to see much adjustments in terms of the look of the offense and 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 how they're going to you know dial up plays Hopkins isn't as much of a field stretcher as Brown is at this point in his career but he still commands a large target share and it can get up and climb the ladder and get the ball um, so I think that you'll see more 50-50 balls thrown his way than you would have say Marquise Brown maybe so they'll maybe take some more chances which I think will benefit Kyler Murray as well would maybe see some more touchdowns from him in the second half of the season um, just because he wasn't being you know he wasn't throwing as many 50-50 balls up because he didn't have the receivers to catch him so I think it'll benefit him and I think that we'll see a little bit more scoring from the Cardinals here uh, on week seven on yeah I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still going to take a bullish approach with the offense despite you know some of the struggles they've shown I think Hopkins makes a big big difference and I, I think I might be a little bit more bullish on more than some people. He's the youngest wide re- he's the youngest uh, offensive skill position player, you know, by far there. You know, there's a bunch of kind of 30-year-old guys and and he might have some ascending value just in terms of picking up a, a target or two. There's a chance that Hopkins, like I I predicted last night with Larky like you, he would be like a 25 plus percent, you know, target share type guy. But if he maintains, you know, closer to 20 and Rondell Moore maybe picks up a little bit more targets out of the slot, then I think Rondell Moore could kind of beat, beat expectations. So, yeah, I have a bunch of DeAndre Hopkins. I'm, I'm really, really hoping that he comes back and smashes. But I'm also kind of happy that I have Rondell Moore exposure. Basically, I drafted too many Cardinals is the is the the the, the long and story short. And I'd love to see Kyler Murray uh, benefit from it. Uh, one guy that you've been bullish on in the past is Damian Williams. This past week, we saw Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley have each have 15 or more carries. What is your opinion on Damian Williams? Is he a guy that you're stashing at this point? Do you have any any hope for him just based on how much the Falcons are using the running backs? The unfortunate piece is by the time he's probably back, they're still saying he needs more time. But by the time that he is fully back, we're probably going to see Patterson back in the mix at that point as well. Um, and then at that point, it's going to be a, a mess. So you're going to have Algier, who they're going to continue to get involved as the rookie, who they drafted. You're going to see Patterson getting involved. I still think Damian is the better talent of Algier and Caleb Huntley. Um Honestly, Avery Williams as well, but they're just not involving him. So I'm just going to avoid this situation. The offense isn't good enough to um, really be utilized properly and to you know be conclusive of fantasy points. Um, that being said, Williams is you know a pretty good pass catcher, but so is Patterson. So I don't know how they're going to utilize him moving forward if they continue to split like this until Patterson's back, and then Patterson probably going to see. 60 plus percent of that backfield and and they might mix in some Algier and some Damian Williams. I've dropped most of my shares at this point. I mean, best ball, there's still hope, but I think that um, I don't think that we're going to see the season that I was hoping out of Damian Williams, you know, had he not been injured in week one. Yeah. I still have a, a few shares. He's a, he's a guy that I've, I've liked to have stashed, but 
it's very difficult to hold these mm-hmm. IR spot guys with all the bye weeks. I have, you know, we're in the the hard way football guys uh, league. I know you split a team. Uh, you have your own team in that one, or is that with Dave Hubbard? I'm with Dave there. So you and Dave split a team there, um, and that's a very competitive league. And and I have been holding Jamison Williams and Elijah Mitchell uh, in that league, and I I feel like it's a sunk cost at this point because I've held them for so long that I like I can't like cut them now. But in <laughs> retrospect, I in retrospect I should have jumped ship it on at least one of them because it's very difficult to to grind waivers when you have like two dead spots on your roster. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely something we struggle with. And just speaking of of uh, waivers, you, we have bye weeks now to deal mm-hmm. with. How do you treat bye weeks? Uh, do you try to be maybe two weeks ahead? And what's your approach to the one-off positions? Is there ever a situation where you're holding two kickers or two defenses for the particular week? I think it depends on your kicker and depends on your defense. There's very few that I'm willing to do it with. Like Carlson last week, I held. I'm not dropping Carlson. So I went out and picked up a kicker and made some tough decisions and dropped some players um, that, you know, were more stashes than anything. Um, defense, same thing. In You know, when you have somebody like Philadelphia, who's been a difference maker, or Buffalo, who's been a difference maker, you're not dropping those defenses. So you have to, you know, make some tough decisions and, and, um, and drop some of your stashes or some handcuffs maybe and, and, and hope to be able to pick them up again the following week. Um, that's probably the only two exceptions I'm willing to make. Maybe a Justin Tucker or somebody of that caliber as well. But I'm not going to be doing that for the mo- most of the defenses or the kicker position. Most of them are just going to be chopped and cut. And in terms of being early, I look ahead and say how many people are on by what's my positional need as well because it varies league by league team by team um and what's happening in the league i mean there's a a league where i'm a little bit more quarterback needy i'm not going to mention the player's name but a very you know well-known high stakes fantasy player is has five quarterbacks on his roster right now and i know for a fact he's doing it because we need a quarterback and our team is good our team is really good in that league so um we're being a little bit more proactive in that league trying to look ahead and trying to um you know, get a quarterback on the roster, looking ahead for bye weeks, and 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 being a little bit more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, strategic on that one, just because we have to. But um, with bye weeks and everything, it's it's tough to hold two quarterbacks or hold you know more than one tight end. If you're if you're tight end premium, sure, you're, you're holding two or three even. Um, but you know, non tight end premium leagues, you know, like FFWC, it's hard to hold two through the bye weeks. Um, and so I, I'd say yes and no at the same time being answering your answer. I know that's kind of a, a cop out, but it just really varies by the league and, and what other players are doing and what's available. And you know, there's some leagues where shit, there's like eight quarterbacks I'd play on a weekly basis that are on the waiver wire. And there's some leagues it's like the only person I can pick up is, you know, Pickett and, and Wilson, you know? And so it, it's, it just, it varies league to league and week by week. And, and so I, I, I look ahead and then make a, a judgment call. Can I get away with adding someone cheap next week? Or do I need to add them this week and, and make a tough call? Uh, it also varies on how much money you have in the league. Do I have, you know, five, 600 bucks left, which is a lot to me at this point in the season. Like most players still have six, $700. I'm down to like 70 bucks and some 30 yeah. bucks in one. Right. And so we, we, we overspend constantly, but we're trying to make our rosters better at all the given at any given week. And so to answer your question, there's just a lot of different variables that are going to come into to, to play with that answer 
best quote I saw on Twitter this week was uh, Vlad Sedler said that if you have if you have uh, less than if you have more than sixty percent of your fab left at this point in the season, you're a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh shout out in the in the chat. We have um a couple of questions. The chat is great today. Um really appreciate everyone's support. Uh Jose Peña, thank you for the waiver wire show I'm putting out. Yeah, if anybody plays in these uh FFWC, FFPC, NFFC uh formats, we're putting out a podcast um that's com- that I'm dropping uh every single Tuesday where we're talking about players that are rostered in 25% or less of Yahoo leagues. So Every single week, I'm talking about guys that you're able to add in these high-stakes formats. Thanks, uh, Jose. We really appreciate uh, your support. Question from Randy Miller. Rest of season, would you rather have Deontay Johnson or Travis Etienne? 12-man uh, redraft PPR. His wide receivers are Higgins, Mike Evans, Adam Thielen, Drake London. His running backs are Ken Walker and Joe Mixon. I'll go first on this one. I would rather have Etienne right now than Deontay Johnson. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith on the on the Steelers offense, even though Deontay is hitting the you know the wonderful target share. I think ETN is ascending, and I think Deontay Johnson might be kind of in limbo right now on that wide receiver two, wide receiver three line. Mm, yeah, um, ETN's definitely seen his snap count increase. You know, from like the uh, low forty range to the you know fifty range in the last two weeks. So I definitely see him on the field more. He's definitely seen more snaps. Um, I keep saying, had he not dropped the two touchdowns week one, it would have been a whole other story. We wouldn't. He'd be he'd be in in conversations as a you know high end RB two right now, and probably seeing more of that sixty percent snap share. But those two drops killed him and and his trajectory in twenty twenty two. So I'm gonna lean ETN here. Um, it's very close. I think that this is a fifty fifty call. Uh, it's one of those things that. You know, Deontay Johnson could catch 12 targets next week and go for 100 yards and a touchdown, and 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 ETN could see 40 percent of the snaps and go, you know, four targets, 40 yards on the ground, and get another 40 40 yards in the air and maybe catch a touchdown. So I think that this is a very close 50-50 call. I think though, if the Jacksonville continues to um, move towards ETN and and see that snap share more in that 50-55 range, I think the answer is Travis ETN here, but it's it's very close. Yeah, it's it's a it's a super super close one. Um, rookie running backs want to get your opinion here. We've seen Ken Walker emerge, mm-hmm. and we see Brees Hall and Damian Pierce uh, squarely as RB ones right now. Yeah, rank rank them for the rest of the season. How you view the three rookie running backs? Okay, so we have Brees Hall, Walker, and um, Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce. Um, You want all of them? Yeah, you definitely. I mean, Hall is a Hall is a is an RB one moving forward, in my opinion. He's he's sixth in touchdowns at the running back position. He's second in breakaway rate. He's fourth in juke rate. Um, I didn't check the data from week six, but weeks one through five, he was the second most targeted uh, running back uh, in the league uh, from target share distribution. And so, Brees Hall for me is the clear cut number one. Um, I think number two for me is Pierce over Walker. Um, and it's, it's close, but, um, I Pierce just has that violent running style that is going to be, you know, good for goal line carries and red zone touches, uh, Walker still coming off that, that, that injury. Right. And, and it could be re-aggravated any given time. I don't 
you know, he looks good, and it's I'm going to say it's hard to predict an injury, but just it's kind of in the back of my mind that it could happen. Plus, Pete Carroll is just a dipshit, and you never know what's going to happen. Who knows? Tony Jones might see eight touches next week. You know, they picked him up last week, last minute, and so they may get him up to speed, and next thing you know, he's splitting load with Tony Jones or DJ Dallas, and, and that can happen in Seattle. It, Pete Carroll is just, you know, known for that. And so just because of that reason, the injury in Pete Carroll, I'm probably going to rate Walker third here. From a talent standpoint, I think the answer goes Hall, Walker, Pierce. But from an NFL and usage standpoint, and I think the answer goes Hall, Pierce, Walker. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. The the Pierce-Walker debate, we've kind of had it all week in the GOAT district. I'm going to lean Walker. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have high hopes for him. He looks very, very good as a receiver, as does Pierce. I just think that I like the Seattle offense a little bit more in terms of potential touchdowns scored as well. Um, You are also a very sharp dynasty player. You do a lot more redraft at this point. But is Brees Hall your running back one in dynasty at this point? I don't think one, but I think he's probably top three or four. Um, Who would be your one? Jonathan Taylor? Man, I haven't done my dynasty rankings in a while. No, um, this is tough. You're basically, basically, I think it comes down to Jonathan Taylor versus Brees Hall, um, yeah. because a lot of the other guys are kind of past the age apex. So it comes down to if you were in a dynasty startup today, you could argue Christian McCaffrey still. Um, you know, it depends. I mean, if he lands on Buffalo. Shit, he's easy number one. That's a good um, point. You know, how about so, he lands on Kansas City? Easy number one. <laughs> easy, easy. Lands, you know, there's a lot of offenses he could land in, and he's still the easy number one. Niners, easy number one. Right. Well, that's an interesting one. I'd like for you to expand on that because I think some people are a little bit nervous about what he would do to the San Francisco offense in terms of does he make some of the other pieces less valuable, Absolutely. or does he make the pie larger and everybody eats kind of deal? No, Debo would take a massive hit. Huge hit, um, right? Huge hit. Um, it would actually open the field up more for Ayuk. Um, they'll continue to utilize Kittle as a blocker, I guess. Um, <laughs> makes no sense. Eight catches last week. Eight catches last week. Yeah, I mean, they'd be better. He was against one of the worst defenses against the tight end position in the league. So he was my tight end four last year. It was the first time I had him in the top nine um, and just because of the matchup. But um, – I'm going to say the if he lands at the Niners, the entire offense gets a boost, but Debo takes a hit. Um, of course, the running back position is decimated. I'd probably assume that Mitchell would be involved in that trade. Um, they may negotiate keeping Wilson just because of his age and, and everything, but I would expect to see um, a pick and Mitchell probably gone, if not other pieces as well. Um, so I think it would be good for the offense as a whole, bad for Debo, bad for the rest of the running back core, and probably good for Ayuk. Great for Jimmy G as well because he can't throw down the field anyway, so he's going to be able to dump it off to Christian McCaffrey. So, um, yeah, I would I would move Christian McCaffrey. I still think Christian McCaffrey is my running back one in Dynasty. Just yeah, Very few players are getting that amount of target share, that amount of touches and usage. And um, My only fear of if he landed on the Niners would be injury. That, that offense is just um, – the, the the one cut back system the that zone scheme is just decimates running backs because of that blind turn run and that you just get crushed and and so I think um, 
it's great for fantasy, but from an injury perspective, it's it's a little scary for Christian McCaffrey. Plus, Dustin Perry, the the uh, strength and conditioning coach, is horrible. So yeah, the, a lot of 49ers, I know it's a lot of it's anecdotal, and sometimes you can't really predict injuries. But it seems like the 49ers see uh, a outsized amount of players get injured every single year. Maybe you could share kind of your thoughts on the strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, I've been talking about it for three years that Dustin Perry needs to be fired. I mean, he's been the strength and conditioning coach for six years. You look back, and the Niners have been pretty injury prone for four or five years now. That's you know eighty percent ish range of Dustin Perry's career at the Niners. Um, I think he's, I think he's maybe too focused on explosiveness and and getting them in strength and not as much in the conditioning strength standpoint and and. You know, players probably aren't stretching and taking care of their bodies properly, and and here we are with injuries. And I that is, in in my opinion, a direct reflection of the strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, it's 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 just wild. I I think if you look back at what's happened the last few years, you're going to see what Billy's talking about. Um, want to keep the the trade the trade uh, deadline galaxy brain going here. <laughs> last night we had a chance to talk about landing spots for a number of players. Dan Williamson. Uh, JD and Josh Larkey and, and I all shared our our favorite uh, destinations for some of these guys being rumored to be moved. CMC, what would be your favorite destination in terms of uh, fantasy? Favorite destination would be Buffalo. Okay. Keep this going. Where would you like to see Antonio Gibson moved to, you know, salvage his, his fantasy value? Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo? Yeah, One you- of those guys need to go to Buffalo. Um, Gibson would also be fantastic in Atlanta. Um, he would also be fantastic on, um, the chiefs, but they would continue to utilize Clyde Edwards Alaire and kind of be stuck in the same situation. I don't really want to see CMC or Gibson go to the chiefs because they're going to utilize CEH as well in that backfield. And we're probably going to see a 60, 40 or a 65, 35 split where someone like the bills probably sees 65 on a low side, 63% maybe. Where Atlanta would be interesting because both those backs have pass catching ability. They're going to be playing from behind. They're both utilizing they're they're utilizing the running backs pretty heavily. We're probably talking about um, you know a borderline RB one there. I mean, look what Patterson's doing, and Patterson you know to the bulk of his career has been trash. And you know he lands in Atlanta where they give him twenty carries a game, and you're talking about you're not allowed game. to you're not allowed to compliment Arthur Smith on this pod, Billy. You take that kind of talk somewhere. <laughs> oh, else. Oh, I'm not complimenting Arthur Smith. I I I'm definitely um I, I definitely think it's just you know it's them just utilizing the the only running back they really had on the roster. So like if a Hunt landed there, if a if a Christian McCaffrey landed there, or someone, I mean you're talking about twenty two to twenty five touches a game probably. I liked I liked Miami um, just as a, a destination no. for Gibson because I think McDaniel would kind of know what to do with him. No, he doesn't even know what to do with Edmonds, which is this. I mean, there you go. But the Edmonds, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like he's a sharp offensive mind, and I think that the Edmonds there's got to be something going on there because Edmonds had the role week one, and the, you know the usage was looking promising, and then it just the the monster thing starts happening. And then yeah. they phase him out. It was super. It's super weird. There's something going on behind the scenes. Um, I don't think the door is closed that that McDaniel doesn't know what to do with running backs. By um, and I just think it would be an interesting landing spot. DJ Moore. Can you save his career, Billy? Pick a pick a spot for him. Anywhere but Carolina, or the Browns. okay, that's good. Or the Browns, or the Browns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be like that'd be a lateral move. He went from like 
Carolina with the Browns. I think I'd probably be more upset, honestly. Um, Dan Dan threw out Tennessee. It was like crickets when that happened last. Yeah, night. that's a lateral move too. Yeah. Um, I mean, you would love to see him in Green Bay. You'd love to see him um, with the injuries that uh, Tampa Bay's had. You'd love to see him there. Maybe that would, you know, Godwin and him be competing at the slot, which wouldn't be good. But um, there's a lot of offenses that he would bring immediate value to. I think the easy answer is Green Bay. Um, you could even see it be. Um, you could probably see him make room in Kansas City for him because um, Juju could be moved outside as well. Um, and we haven't seen MVS. I mean, we knew MVS was a horrible signing to begin with. It, so it, uh, $10 million is way too much money for MVS, but he would make an immediate impact there as well. Um, there's there's a few teams that I really like, um, but I, there's a lot of teams that I'd really not like to see him go to, which could easily happen. Shout out to Harry Snowman, DJ Moore to Chicago. Yeah, that's that one I a- just was thinking right now. I do not want to hear. Do yeah, not want to see hear that one. Uh, Chase, Clay- <laughs> Chase Claypool. What about him? I know you don't enjoy talking about Chase Claypool. <laughs> and Billy fan. and I have a little running joke where I was uh, at one point a stan, and Billy yeah. kind of talked me off that ledge. Um, <laughs> who is there a place where where you where you could see Chase Claypool stylistically having some fantasy success? Yeah, probably the CFL. Maybe um, maybe go back to college again. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Honestly, he has the talent. He's just—he's not mentally mature enough to be successful in the NFL. He, that's why he flashes, right? And we've seen him have big games, and um, he definitely has the talent to succeed. You know, it he, he reminds me of like a Martavis Bryant, right? Where it's just all the talent in the world, just the mental capacity isn't there. Martavis um, Bryant had that dog in him too, though. He when did he, have when he that was dog on the in field. Him. Oh, yeah, he, he 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 had that dog in him that Claypool yeah. maybe doesn't have, and that's the that's the thing is that Claypool just you know mentally isn't strong, and mentally, I mean, he's better this year than he was last year. Don't get me wrong, and he's made improvements. Um, I think with the right coach and the right quarterback, I think he could be great, honestly. But it's going to take um, <laughs> what do you have? Billy, just for the for the record, can you can you let everybody know you don't have a problem with Canadians because JD thinks this could be a anti Canada bias with your hatred of Chase Claypool. <laughs> Put for the record, Billy. For the record, yeah. For the record, I have nothing against Canada. They make good, good beer. He said it straight, everyone. <laughs> yeah, and it's Canada's like the little brother, you know, the U.S. little brother. It's like you everywhere can, we you go, can, they you just... can you can practically see uh, Canada on a clear day from Oregon. It's it's yeah. not too far, not and, too far. You know, it's like you love your little brother, and that's why you make fun of him all the time. You know, there you just... go, <laughs> there you go. What um, Mike Jacecki, who had a really nice game this past week. I don't see him being traded, but the rumors are out there. Is there a place you you think that he could land and you know see increases in his fantasy value? Yeah, there's um, oh man, there's a lot of spots that you'd like to see him go. He has the talent to succeed. I mean, from a metric standpoint, he's off the charts. Uh, just been underutilized in his career with um, with um, um, Miami. So I mean, I, I'd like to see him. Pretty much, it's so so funny. It's like another answer is like there's like ten or twelve teams that you could really like to see him be utilized. Of course, we could just you know he'll probably end up in Atlanta and they'll just throw to him instead of Cal Pitts. Um, that's that's a joke, Theo. I know that you love your your I, Cal Pitts. I'm I can't talk about it anymore, Billy. It's too painful. <laughs> it's too painful. I was uh, actually offered a I was offered a dynasty trade for for Kyle Pitts uh, today. And uh, I texted the person I split the team with, and and we're 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 considering it. And three months ago, I would have hung up the phone. Yeah, it, honestly, I'd like to see him. Um, 
Tampa would be great. Uh, you know, that would with, be really, really good, especially with the Brait injury. Brait, Brait concussion now. It's his third concussion in like a year, I think, or second concussion in a year. Um, you know, Otten looks good, but it just isn't the answer. Um, Gronk has just signed his TV deal. He's not coming out of retirement, even though people still think he is. Um, and so I think that um, I would love to see him in Tampa. Yeah, that would be great. Um, it's always fun to think about it. Actually, I'm, I'm hopeful that we have an active trade deadline. A lot of times we're very much let down. 1912 quickly wants to get your take on Wandell Robinson and Greg and Greg Dulcich. Two okay. guys we've been talking about on the GOAT District all week long. Like them both. Uh, Wandale's my only thing is he's hobbit size and he runs across the middle and hits a linebacker. He's going to die again. Um, it's what happened. I mean, you know, he got clobbered week one so or two or whatever week it was. Um, that was my fear, and I told people, hey, he's – a great talent. They're going to be able to utilize him in in the the same way of kind of like a, a Debo Light. He's he's played running back in high school. He has the ability to run and catch the ball. He's just really undersized the NFL level. So, um, but you look at the the rest of this wide receiver core and and Tony didn't practice again today. Galladay's, you know. I joked around with Matt. He's a Zeta receiver. He's not even an alpha or a beta or, or a Zeta. He's down to the Z range. Um, and so there's just no receivers right now inside New York. So hence the reason we're seeing Barkley utilized so much. Hence the reason we've seen more Bellinger. Um, Wandell flashed last week. Again, one of the only options on the field. So I think if healthy and on the field with no other receivers, he's going to produce uh, just from a target distribution standpoint and from like the amount of pie that's there. Um, uh, Dolchish, I love. I mean, Dave was the one who got me on Dolchish. I wasn't adding him as 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 aggressively as Dave was. And shout out, shout out to Dave Hubbard, um, yep. who splits a lot of teams with Billy, a, f- a friend of the Goat District, and one of the sharpest players uh, in the country. And he's I, big I, I think, on honestly, like one of the sharpest minds in football. Period. Just yes. in the in the world. Um, you know, him and I bounce a lot of things off each other, and we agree on a lot of things. There's definitely things that we don't agree on, and we make fun of each other for it. But uh, we still have a, a a pretty good bet for the year. Um, at the time, I thought he was crazy, but now it's like, damn, I'm playing catch up on this bet. And it was preseason Curtis Samuel versus Romeo Dobbs steak dinner in Vegas next year, and. Um, I went, of course, Romeo side. He went Curtis Samuel side. Week three, I was asking him how he liked his steak cooked. Um, and then, you know, now we've seen Romeo kind of pick up the pace and been top 30 receiver for the last couple of weeks. So last I think week was troubling, though. They had the very troubling. Very, yeah. Like it was a little bit. But now you have for catch of the year. Now you have, you know, quarterback concerns inside um, uh, Washington. Um, you know, we're going to see a probably four to five week timeline for Carson Wentz, which might be good for the offense. Who knows? Um, but uh, I, I definitely think that uh, the, the, that bet has legs now. I, mean, I definitely have a, I mean, I have a little bit more to stand on now moving forward. Uh, just quick, very quick uh, thoughts on Daniel Bellinger. Mm-hmm. I like Bellinger. Yeah, again, it's target distribution and, and target share. It, it, you want anyone who's going to be involved. And right now, he's the number two or three option in the passing game in this Giants offense. That and He's on the field the whole time. He's on the field the entire time. Like, let me pull up snap counts real quick. So he uh, was he was like 85 to 90 percent, I think, this past week. Like, he was really, really so 90, 93.8 percent yeah. snap share in week six. Again, when I talk about every receiver being out, you know, week five, he saw 74%, but, you know, and he was seeing his usage just continue to climb. And I talk about this every year. Rookie tight ends take time to develop. It's why I wasn't on Pitts last year. I was a little shy on him this year. I'll probably be almost all in on Pitts next year because 
it takes a couple years for those rookie tight ends to get entrenched in the offense. You know, Bellinger's case, he's forced into because they just don't have anybody else. You know, same thing with Dolchich is, is they drafted him. They're proving a point, their guy versus the previous guy. Um, that being said, when you look at tight ends and learning offenses, they're learning two positions. They're learning the route trees and the routes that they need from a from the uh, from the offense perspective, and they're also learning blocking schemes because they're blocking in line at times as well. So that's why it takes these tight ends so much time to develop and to learn the offenses and to get on the field because they're consistently trying to learn these offenses and their schemes. And so Bellinger has had been blessed, I should say to be the only tight end really on the roster after RSJ went down in preseason and got injured. So Bellinger is forced into that role where, you know, in Atlanta, they continue to utilize two tight ends or they continue to utilize anyone else. And so um, I like Bellinger to answer your question along with an answer, but I like him moving forward a lot. Yeah, me too. And you would take Dulcich over Bellinger because of the, the upside with Dulcich as a player. Yeah, I think Dolchich is a is a better talent. Yes. Um so this is this is where you get to the heavily debated um piece in rankings. Is it talent or is it opportunity, right? And um I'm going to say it, I want the opportunity over the talent right now. Um I think Dolchich has the ability to earn and take on more of of snap share and and get more opportunity, but if a tight end's on the field 90 plus percent of snaps, I want that tight end. And even if he's in line blocking 30, 40% of that time, it means he's running routes, you know, 60, 70% of the time. And I want that guy on my team. So I'm going to lean Bellinger for the rest of the season right now, just because of his usage and his snap share. Um, you know, you look at what Denver did and it was, you know, it was his only, it was his first game back. So you take it with a grain of salt, but, um, you know, Dolce saw 70% of snaps for a week for his first week on the field. That's pretty damn good. So one could argue in two or three weeks, Dolce is going to see 90% of snaps. So crystal ball, if you have it great, but if he stays at that 70 to 75% snap share, I probably want the guy at 93% snaps. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I want, I would like to have both on, especially my tight end premium rosters, but I'm happy to have, either and i think they both have paths to to being weekly starters and mm -hmm. and helpful fantasy assets uh very quickly we're almost at the end here give me one player that a home league pl uh, player could trade for um that you see as a positive regression candidate somebody that you that maybe started out slow that you're bullish on to get it going as the season keeps moving along etn was the guy but he's probably gonna be harder to acquire now the next one is probably james cook um i'm gonna it's probably we're probably going to see cook more in the second half of the season um especially as injuries come and go and we'll see what happens with the running back position there if they trade for running back forget about it he's done but uh if they don't trade for running back i'd expect to see cook utilized more in just on just all around the offense yeah cook and shakir coming out of the bye you talk about mm -hmm. rational coaching that's a very smart coaching staff and i think you know you could see those two guys uh, a little less isaiah mckenzie a little more Khalil Shakir and just a little bit more James Cook, get them get them in, involved and make Buffalo even more exciting. Big picture question. Are we looking at a return to some earlier QB drafting next year? You see such uh, an advantage to the Josh Allen teams and also such an advantage to have a top four QB right now. 
do you see drafters kind of treating QB a little bit more like tight end where we really push up the elite assets next year? I hope they do. That's just going to push the For you, yeah. down. Um, and shout out to Billy. Billy's a guy who will wait. We are a blue whale hunting. We waited forever on QB. Billy is a, is a guy who is not afraid to wait a long, long time on QB. It's getting a little harder though. Um, in terms of late, late round QBs right now, I know that Goff and Geno Smith hit, uh, you know, at least for, for multiple weeks this year, but yeah. Do you, do you see the general player? Like, where's your prediction of where will Josh Allen go in high stakes drafts next summer? Probably round three, maybe, yep. maybe I'd say that two, three turn at the earliest. I don't, I don't see him going middle of round two, uh, in early drafts, you know, it, I could see him sneaking up towards, you know, first week of September again as the masses kind of tour season happens and and the masses join and start taking him higher. But I'm going to say probably round three is where I'm going to assume he's going to go. He was going in around four and five on average this year, four to five turn. Um, when we saw the Thursday night game go, we started. I saw him go in the first round in a, yeah. an event draft. I saw when you him, make the points. Anybody not listening, you, you know, that's yeah. Billy's talking about the we draft a number of teams, a lot, a lot of teams on that Friday and Saturday right after the Thursday game out in Vegas. So if you draft, you, you know, you could draft Stephon Diggs and Cooper Cup, you bank their points. Gabe yep. Davis it's went free higher. Look. Free look. So if anybody didn't quite understand that. But how about the the next tier with the Jackson, Hurts, Mahomes? Could you see them being pushed up to kind of yep. where, like where round five Allen is going? Yeah, yep. round four, yeah. round five. I've, I kind of expect it to happen next year. People are going to be less inclined to go for that mid-range quarterback two um and i think what'll happen is just based on necessity quarterbacks in general will get pushed up even the ones that shouldn't be just because people are going to get nervous seeing the other quarterbacks go as early as they did and just from a position scarcity standpoint people are going to move players up their board uh because they see the other names go ahead of them i will continue to wait um I'm fine streaming quarterbacks. I'm fine waiting and trying to find someone. Don't get me wrong. I have some ugly quarterbacks this year um, where, like, last week, if I just could have gotten 10 points from Wilson, I would have won leagues, you know, and then instead of five. Um, but there's always a quarterback, in my opinion, or two or three that are going to significantly outperform ADP. Goff this year, Geno Smith this year. Like, one of my best best ball teams is Geno Smith and Goff. It's hilarious. And it's, you know, it's got, like, 900 points. And so um, it, it, you can definitely hit on them. You just you, you got to be very you know careful in selections, especially in best ball. Redraft, you can fix your shit shows after the fact, um, and you can always find a quarterback. And so I, I will continue to wait. Uh, don't get me wrong. You'll have exposure to every quarterback because you have to, but I'm not going to be chasing quarterbacks to round three or four on a consistent basis. Well, we're, we're, we're getting close to drafting against one another again when, once the Super Bowl happens. I'm sure we'll be in a best ball draft or two against one another. This was a blast, uh, Billy. Uh, Real quick, have you seen that we... Have you seen that, that, that best ball we did in January or February, whenever it was? Have you seen, have you seen those teams? Paying attention to it a little bit. So I have a, that, that team, I have Cooper Cup and Diggs on the same roster. Crush that one. I, I got Javante Williams on, on, on one of those teams. I can't look at it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at it. I was like, because all those, everyone was like, oh, Diggs had a bad season. And I was just like, shit, I'll take Diggs at the end of round two. And it was, uh, I think I picked like third overall or something. And it was Cooper Cup and then Diggs back around. And then I hit on CEH and, and other players. But it was, uh, that team's actually crushing. I had, I had a, a couple of those where, you know, we, 
it I I had the I took Javante and that was when everybody thought Melvin Gordon would not be a Bronco and Javante mm-hmm. was going to get this incredible role. Drafting early is is a is a lot of fun, but it there's there's certainly some some landmines. But I can't wait to do it again. Can't wait to get you back on the Goat District. Apologies, we didn't get to every question in the chat. The chat was fantastic today. Um, Billy, good luck. Uh, we're going to crush waivers tonight, my man. And thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you. Thanks to everybody for tuning in.